Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Hi folks, Um, we are continuing our series on Mark's Gospel this week and I'm in Mark chapter 8 and I'm going to read the first half of that chapter. Next week Nana is going to preach you from Mark chapter 9 and we are endeavouring to do one chapter a week up until Christmas and so finish the gospel um, by then. But we'll see how we go. Um, So I'm going to read um, this chapter to you um, to start with. And let's let's listen to these words from, from the gospel. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again and went to the other side. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Father, I pray that you will give us ears to hear your word today. And I pray that uh, your word will be spirit and life to each one of us in Jesus name. Amen. Now, one of the things I, I look for when I start looking at a passage is Uh, things that stand out to me and uh, one of the things I look for is repetition of a specific word. Now there is a word that appears in these verses um, quite often. It's the word bread. Um, It comes uh, eight times in in the verses that I've read. Now you may not have fully noticed that because Sometimes it's translated into English as bread or sometimes as loaves. So that may slightly disguise that repetition. But the same Greek word is being used. It's 
the word bread. Uh, and I think um, this, this sets me thinking that Jesus has a, um, a particular uh, desire to emphasize to us our need for bread. Um, and I'm going to talk to you uh, today about three under three different titles. I see starving people, I see sitting down people, and I see satisfied people. And let's see how we get on. Now, the starving people, first of all, obviously, they're starving because they're short of food. Physically, they are starving. Physically, they need bread. And we are, interestingly enough, in our country, beginning to see um, a real pressure on households for food. There is a, there is a, a physical uh, food starvation beginning to happen in our nation due to the economic um, uh, shutdown, the economic crisis. Um, but it's not just physical bread that God is wanting to highlight here. Uh, in fact, in the previous chapter, um, um, in, in verse 27, um, the Syrophoenician um, a woman comes to Jesus because her, her child is demonized and he, she, he, she begs him to heal her. Um, and Jesus says to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the others. So, so immediately Jesus is, is actually widening the meaning of this word bread into healing, physical healing, this, this re deliverance, re release for this, this girl who is bound by the enemy. Um, and actually, we are all looking for stuff in our lives um, which come under this category of bread. We are all, in some sense, starving people, needy, hungry people. And we look in all sorts of places. I wonder where you're looking for satisfaction at the moment. I wonder where your inner emptiness and um, longings are sending you. What avenues you're pursuing to try and answer that inner longing, that desperate uh, craving in your heart for something that you can't maybe even recognize or put words to, but you know there's something wrong, there's something needy inside you. Jesus said, um, in John 6, he said, do not labor for the food that perishes. So there are types of things that we look for in our lives that don't actually fully satisfy. They're false satisfactions, false food. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but that which endures to eternal life, which the sun shall give you. And that's what we want to we want to be satisfied with. We want to be satisfied with the sun. Because John talks about these stories, about the feeding of the 5,000. And he, 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 he points it out that there's actually a sign. Jesus' physical feeding of people is a sign of something deeper and more significant. And he, he proclaims, John in his gospel proclaims, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the longing, the one who satisfies the longing and deepest longings of our heart. And so we need to think a little bit about what we're looking for, what we're hungering for at the moment. And then we need to start meaning business with Jesus. 
to find that satisfaction. But the other interesting thing about this passage is, and, and in fact all of the stories about the, the feeding of the 5,000, which appears in all four Gospels, and the feeding of the 4,000, which appears in Mark and, and Matthew. So it's a pretty repeat, repeated story. It's underlined, it's significant. But in every one of those stories, it is, it is underlined, it is, is mentioned quite clearly, Jesus told the disciples, make the people sit down, and he distributes the food to those who were seated. It's a strange little incident, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know whether that struck you as, I, as you've read it or, I, or you listened to it. It seems to me a pretty critical thing. Jesus can only satisfy us if we sit down. That's a, a strange thing, and I just want to try and um, explain that to you a little bit and try and enlarge on it and maybe uh, give you the significance of it. You see, if we are still running around thinking that we can find the answer to our needs, then we haven't actually allowed Jesus to be the bread of life. If we're still rushing around looking for a, yet another picnic basket to come and uh, satisfy the crowds, then we're not going to turn to Jesus, the miracle maker. And we have to find a way of, of ceasing from our own efforts. So an interesting verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. The one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So the person who stops trying to save themselves and stops trying to save others, stops rushing around, ceaselessly, endlessly um, seeking for the next, the next fashion, the next fad, the next answer to their, their needs, that person won't find the faith that justifies. Let me give you a few examples from history. Abraham. Abraham is a, is a, is a man who has a, uh, who's old, he has a barren wife, and God gives them a promise of a child. And uh, uh, he Eventually, he, he believes God and he receives that miracle child. But on the way, his faith wavers and he thinks he, he, he thinks he ought to give God a helping hand. And so he actually sleeps with his wife's maid and they have a child through her, not the child of promise, not what God had planned. Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a mighty man. He comes preaching this powerful message of repentance. He baptizes crowds who flock to him. And not surprisingly, in his day, people were asking the question, are you the Christ? And they ask him point blank, are you the Christ? And it's very interesting how he, he answers, uh, or the, his description of his answer is this. It says, he confessed, he did not deny, he confessed, I am not the Christ. I think the, the use of words there is very emphatic. His confession was, I am not the Christ. I am not the answer to your needs. And this is one of the keys to sitting down, is to recognise that there is only one saviour and his name is Jesus. And I am not the saviour of my friend. I'm not the saviour of my family. I'm not the saviour of my community. I can point people to him, but I am not the Christ. And that positive confession will set you free from a whole load of, of, um, of activity and stress and striving. Think of us for a, as a church. 
Um, we have a massive mission field. The north of Birmingham is our mission field. It's far too big for us. <laughs> and what resources do we have anyway? We're a puny little small church. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like this feeding of the 4,000, isn't there? There's, there's, there's this massive crowd of people and there's hardly any food to give them. It's a hopeless situation. And we are in exactly that situation. What should we do then? Should we rush around looking for sandwiches and picnic baskets and, and, and um, desperately try different ways of, of um, reaching, of bringing in God's kingdom? Well, the stuff we need to do, it's not that we just do nothing, but we, first of all, we need to have faith in God. I'm praying a verse at the moment, which is from uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 19. It says this, God says, that, God says this promise to Israel, I will multiply you and you will not be few. I will make you honoured and you will not be small. God, this is, the, this is who you are, Lord. This is your promise to your people Israel. We are the church of God, the Israel of God. Fulfil your promise in our day, in our generation, in our lives. So we look to a God of miracles and we believe in a God of miracles. That doesn't mean to say we do nothing. We still have to live obedient, faithful lives, making the most of every opportunity. But it's God who gives the increase. One sows and one reaps, but God who gives the growth. Let's fix our eyes on him. Let's look for him as the source of the, the miraculous uh, banquet that will feed our multitudes, our society, our communities. So we need, we're need we a starving people. We're also a sitting down people or, or need to become a sitting down people. And then we become a satisfied people. Twice in these verses, it says they ate and they were satisfied. Their deepest inner needs were met. What a wonder. What a magnificent thing. And I urge you, to find your satisfaction in Jesus. Not in your bank balance, your job, your relationships, not in your sporting team, not in your entertainment. I urge you, take your satisfaction in Jesus. Find in him everything you desire. In the Song of Songs, the, the bride talking of her beloved says, with great delight, I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Are you enjoying that? Are you sitting under the shadow of Jesus, basking in his presence, receiving his love, admiring him, loving him? Psalm 63 starts off with my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then it goes on to say, my soul is feasted as with marrow and fat. And my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help in the shadow of, in, in the shadow of your wings. I take joy. I sing for joy. Magnificent experiences of the goodness of God. And this isn't uh, just something to enjoy for yourself. This isn't just a, a, a personal um, satisfaction that you then keep to yourself and you smugly say, oh, I'm all right, my needs are satisfied and you've got to find your own way. No, it's nothing like that at all. When all, your, when all your desires are met, then you become a person who has left something over 
for other people. And you also enter into this magnificent um, transaction with God, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And our lives become like channels of water, full of water, gushing out to others, but being constantly filled and refilled by the Spirit of God. What are the marks of a satisfied life? If you're wondering, am I living a satisfied life? Well, you praise more than you petition. You admire God more than you ask for stuff. Your contentment is in Jesus. So in every situation, you are still satisfied in God. Spiritful people sing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, be filled with the Spirit. And the end result of that is you sing, you sing, you make melody in your heart. And for word-filled people in Colossians 3.16, they also are singing for joy. Let me just ask you quickly a few questions as we finish. We, we are hungry, thirsty, we're, we're starving people. We are, need to sit down. And we want to, God wants us to be satisfied people. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, why am I still hungry and not satisfied? I've got three suggestions for you. First thing is, have you actually met the risen Christ? That's obviously the crucial starting point. Have you actually abandoned yourself to God? Have you taken him as your total, complete saviour? Have you given up all efforts to save yourself or earn your salvation or work your way into God's favour? Have you settled this issue once and for all, that the, the debt was paid at the cross? Your sins were taken away by Jesus. The penalty for your sin was paid by the Christ. If you haven't done that, then do that. Do that right now. Ask God to come and meet with you right now. Please, Jesus, forgive me for my restlessness. Forgive me for my wanderings. Forgive me my unbelief. I take you now to be my sufficient and complete saviour. Thank you for dying for me. Most of you who are listening, though, I would suspect have already met Christ. You are Christians, and then you're, but then you're thinking, well, yes, I've done that, but I'm still not satisfied. So I would suggest to you that the probable reason is that you're not sitting down. You're a bit like Martha rushing around trying to sort out yourself and everyone else around you. Caught up with activity, caught up with work and busyness and you've neglected to just stop regularly and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him, delight in him, glory in him. And the third reason is maybe um, this cycle of receiving and giving has been broken in your life. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The more you give, the more you get. So we need to unblock those channels of giving. Praise to Jesus is a wonderful way of giving back to God. He's given you so much. The most obvious way is thank you, Jesus. You are a magnificent saviour. Maybe you're not giving your money away, as you should be. Maybe you're hoarding resources for yourself. Maybe you're guarding your time too closely. 
It's God speaking to you, challenging you right now about things that you need to let, to loosen up, to hand over to God and to get that beautiful channel, that beautiful uh, reciprocal channel flowing again of the, the water of God flowing into your life, flowing out through your words and your actions and your praise and your prayers and your money and your time and everything you have, pouring it out in service of others and service to Jesus and finding that wonderful filling of the Spirit of God over and over again, day after day, him meeting you. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your beautiful word. Thank you that you speak. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you that you touch us where we really need you, Lord. And I pray for us at Church Central North that we might be a satisfied people, thirsting for God and satisfied. This wonderful paradox, the more we thirst, the more we are satisfied. And the more we're satisfied, the more we want more. Oh, Jesus, we want you. We want more of you, Lord. And we want to so overflow with delight in Jesus that our communities can miraculously be transformed by your glorious power. Multiply us, Lord, so we will not be few. Make us honoured so we will not be small. Glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.